Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Self-Analysis. Rapid social and economic development has undoubtedly improved life for the average person. However, these developments have also amplified life's pressures and anxieties. When such tensions build beyond people's tolerance, they will inevitably start to struggle mentally. Various psychological issues can occur as a reaction to pressure, such as low self-esteem, feelings of apprehension, depression, and other symptoms of personality disorder. When this tipping point comes, some people will turn to the therapeutic method of psychoanalysis. It is a treatment developed by Sigmund Freud, which emphasizes the role of unconscious mental processes. Significant data shows that psychoanalysis can pull people out of the mire of their suffering and help them rebuild mental stability. Karen Horney penned this book. Her personal experiences significantly affected her and inspired her to study a particular branch of psychoanalytic theory. When she was young, Horney fought against severe depression. Several times, at different points in her life, whenever her condition showed some improvement, a momentous traumatic event came along, the loss of her dear brother, her husband's serious illness, or a business failure. They caused a relapse. Horney had come into contact with psychoanalysis in 1906 while attending medical school. At that time, psychoanalysis was only just emerging as a legitimate branch of medicine. The string of bad experiences in her later life led Horney to question the principles of the then-standard Freudian school of psychoanalysis. She proposed her own theories and later founded the American Institute of Psychoanalysis, personally serving as its first director. Horney argued that professional psychoanalysts may not be able to treat everyone. For example, the level of intercooperation between the client and the psychoanalyst will influence the effectiveness of the treatment. In addition, time, geographical, and economic constraints will mean that the psychoanalyst is not always available or on hand to support a client. That is why Horney proposed self-analysis to compensate for many people's lack of access to full analytical psychotherapy. Horney believed that, as long as people had a basic understanding of psychology, any ordinary person could conduct a holistic self-analysis by taking up the roles of a therapist and a patient. This was the intention of this book. She was committed to helping any person troubled by their mental health. She believed that self-analysis would allow people to come to terms with their own mental health issues and eliminate them. Combining her experience in self-analysis, familiarity with treating mental health patients, and drawing on the insights of her peers, in this book Horney created a practical method for self-psychoanalysis and provides abundant case studies. Her aim was to make the technique as accessible as possible for those without any professional training, allowing them to read and assimilate core understanding and conduct practical self-analysis, addressing their mental health issues head-on. In consideration of readers unfamiliar with technical terms, she expressed herself in everyday language, making the content simple and easy to understand. In this bookie, we will break down the book into three parts. Part 1 the advantages and dangers of self-analysis. Part 2, the conditions for self-analysis. Part 3, self-analysis methods.
psychoanalysis was first developed in the field of medical science. Its founding father, Sigmund Freud, used psychoanalysis to treat anxiety, depression, hysteria, and other mental health disorders. He achieved promising therapeutic results. After initial successes, psychoanalysis enjoyed a broad scope of applications, expanding to treat many severe personality abnormalities and conditions including compulsive indecision and gross aversion to work. Moreover, with more and more people seeking the benefit of its positive effect on building character, psychoanalysis gained favor. However, due to the individual complexity of different people's life circumstances and the unique difficulties they face, professional psychoanalysis cannot be applied in the same way to every patient, and thus self-analysis becomes necessary. Self-analysis is a valuable method to truly know oneself. It allows individuals to bring together past and present experiences. The process involves exploring a person's inner world where they can uncover the subconscious factors that bring mental health issues. Once identified, it is possible to dig them out at the root. This helps a person on their journey back to balance, restoring normality to their lives. When conducting self-analysis, one must take on the role of both the client and the therapist to uncover the unknown inner self. However, as a layperson, with neither professional knowledge nor professional training, can you really conduct self-analysis? The answer is yes. The book points out that while psychotherapy may occasionally be interrupted or terminated due to a client's desperate state, there may still be steady and lasting alleviation of symptoms later in the ensuing period. In fact, this is because the client has picked up approaches that they can continue to use for self-analysis in their professional sessions. Their awareness allows them to uncover new problems. Self-observation reveals situations that were previously hidden. By working through these and thus eliminating the root cause of a psychological problem, a person can benefit from therapeutic effects without the restrictions and long-term commitment needed for professional psychoanalysis. The technique of psychoanalysis involves listening and observing a client carefully before offering any advice informed by the psychotherapist's knowledge, experience, and judgment. Suppose a client's statements are contradictory or evasive. In that case, the analyst's interpretation will be impacted, and the efficacy of the treatment will be affected in turn. However, during self-analysis, as the object is oneself, they have a better opportunity to observe themselves, which gives them an advantage over psychoanalysts. After all, we know ourselves best. The book points out that each individual's personal world is the only one they can hope to fully understand. If we are willing to observe and evaluate our inner world, we can get a comprehensive picture of it with sufficient detail and accuracy. Potentially, we can do the job better than any outsider, as long as we can expose the root causes of our dilemmas. In knowing oneself, another person's viewpoint is a poor substitute, even informed with psychological knowledge. Moreover, self-analysis does not require so much background information, and there is no need to learn the critical interpersonal communication skills to manage an analytical session. Another advantage lies in the fact that people can express themselves more freely in self-analysis. When a person seeks psychoanalytical support, there may be all sorts of reasons why, as a client, they are obstructed from presenting their thoughts clearly. However, 
the person engaged in a self-analysis is free to express their inner thoughts in a range of different ways, so their self-probing can be more comprehensive. Problems of interpretation do not exist when conducting self-analysis. In fact, the expression of true feelings is involuntary. When there is a will, such feelings manifest apparently from thin air. Some may be absurd, rash, indecent, or shameful, but basically, any thought can be allowed and encouraged to play out in the mind. In this situation, there can be no misunderstandings, blame, interference, or fear of retaliation due to expressions that might be considered taboo or improper. When thoughts come into the mind, there is no need to worry about disgrace or humiliation. The only thing that is important is that the self-analyst tries their best to express true feelings and rejects imaginary content designed for self-deceit. There is no doubt the material will be unambiguous and more comprehensive than content coming out of professional psychoanalysis. In terms of time, the self-analyst is with themselves, continuously, more than anyone else. They can undertake healing at any time too. By comparison, the period spent with a psychoanalyst in an analytic session rarely exceeds an hour at any time. By spending all day in one's own mind, the treatment process can be accelerated, and the treatment effect multiplied. Sometimes, professional treatment is suspended or interrupted for a vacation or other personal reasons. The other way around, a client may not be able to continue to attend, or attend irregularly due to poverty or relocation, for example. Self-analysis isn't plagued with such concerns. So, self-analysis sounds feasible. But is it desirable? Freud once compared psychoanalysis to surgery, arguing that it could have severe consequences if not done correctly. What about self-analysis? Could it be dangerous too? Many people believe so. Now, let's look at these everyday worries about self-analysis and see how Horney argued with them. A potential worry is that self-analysis may bring adverse self-reflection, which will hinder the positive effects of psychoanalytic therapy. Some people think that self-analysis, constant self-reflection, and too much consideration of personal matters are nothing but indulgent. People excessively dwelling on themselves is a behavior that should be limited. But the book points out that the value of self-analysis is to get people to stop being overly selfish and encourage them to be able to build solid relationships with others and the world around them. Others argue that self-reflection is pathological, dragging people down into aimless pondering. Encouraging people to dwell quietly on themselves and their problems leads them into immersion in self-pity or self-admiration, dead-end ruminations about themselves, or empty self-recrimination. This kind of behavior is dangerous and of no benefit. Some people who have tried self-analysis concur, considering these ideas to be valid. However, this is probably because they are distracted during their self-analysis, such as by physical ailments, vain narcissism, wrongdoings done by or to them, or other intransigent mental issues. Therefore, they fail to self-reflect effectively and never find out the root causes of their problems. However, Horney argued that while purposeless self-reflection will not yield any benefit, the procedure is nevertheless basically harmless. Other people are more concerned that tricky problems might arise in the process of analysis. Potentially, 
these could cause a mental breakdown and trigger suicidal tendencies. According to this perspective, the process of self-analysis is not considered helpful. Once psychological problems have been excavated from the unconscious and the analyst fails to figure out a solution, their feelings of helplessness could cause other emotional issues, such as anxiety, depression, or even suicidal thoughts. When people conduct self-analysis, they unearth emotions that have been suppressed and hidden. Bringing them to the conscious surface may reignite feelings of anger and other destructive emotions that the analyst may mistakenly have thought disappeared. As a result, the analyst will simply relive previous psychological trauma, and this may amplify emotional suffering. But Horney pointed out that while self-analysis can bring short-term pain, a person has adequate abilities to protect themselves in this process. An analyst doesn't just force themselves into an unbearable situation. Their intuitive sense will help them to flag up problems to avoid. Studies have indicated that the human brain automatically initiates a protective mechanism to end introspection when significant danger is detected. Taking a step back, any self-analyst who dares to dig out uncomfortable truths will also have the courage to accept the entire process. They will have the willpower to control themselves and would be highly unlikely to yield to mental collapse. When emotions such as anxiety and depression prove almost unbearable, the analyst would devote all their efforts to addressing the problem until it is finally eliminated. Therefore, self-analysis is not going to cause the analyst to suffer a mental breakdown or indeed any practical harm. A third common worry is that self-analysis induces panic, re-triggering old psychological symptoms. Some people believe that in carrying out a thorough self-analysis, while the truth of the situation gradually emerges, a series of dilemmas may be brought to the surface, engendering panic and triggering a relapse. It may lead to the re-emergence of pathological behaviors, such as addictive gambling, reckless driving, or other mental health issues, which are highly unpleasant for the self-analyst. Lacking the professional skills to single-handedly address these unexpected challenges, they simply give up on themselves. But Horney argued that these cases are rare. Following her broad observational research into instances of self-analysis, she considers the risk low and that analysts will typically maintain the ability to protect themselves. In general, the analyst can assimilate emotions such as panic through self-reflection, thus eliminating the possibility of past symptomatic behaviors recurring. Suppose the analyst goes through a thorough self-analysis and reflects profoundly on the root causes of the problems that bother them. In that case, in ridding themselves of emotional baggage, the analyst will at the same time gain a sense of liberation. That is to say, when the actual psychological situation is identified and known, the pleasure of bringing it out into the open will immediately replace possible psychological discomfort. When the analyst perceives other disturbing emotions, they also now know that they are the sole force with the capacity to vanquish them. It is worth taking away from these insights that when conducting self-analysis, it's necessary to be mentally prepared to engage in a protracted battle. It is a lengthy and challenging process. However, if we can successfully break through the layers of mental resistance and psychological obstacles, certain gains are self-evident, other than solving our psychological problems.
An analyst will gain more self-confidence and an increase of inner strength from the success in pushing past mental obstacles through their own courage, tenacity, and perseverance. They will emerge from the process robust and indomitable. They will, in fact, gain the mental strength to overcome further difficulties they will encounter in the future. It will give them the resilience to deal with psychological issues and an opportunity to get rid of them sooner rather than later. That concludes the first part of our bookie. Let's briefly review. Self-analysis is a way to achieve healing through self-exploration. It is a viable analytic process for ordinary people who don't have much psychological knowledge. Self-analysis has several advantages over traditional psychoanalysis. Unlike two-person psychotherapy, there are no time-limited sessions and no barriers to self-observation. Although self-analysis brings some risks, these risks are minimal. And the act of self-analysis itself builds resilience that can mitigate any risks that do occur. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for Buki at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.